Hey everybody, welcome to Throne Wrenches Podcast. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And on this episode of Throne Wrenches... Air-cooled coops go head-to-head for race daily kill. GM is cranking out one giant V8 for a last hurrah. And America's most stolen cars ranked, Daryl. All that and more on this episode of Throne Wrenches Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome again to Throwing Wrenches Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, to join the fun of the show, just email us at info at throwingwrenches.com or post a review on iTunes and you'll be heard around the world, Daryl. That's right. I hear we're really big in Burkina Faso. Well, we were. I haven't gotten the ratings lately. We've got to look at the, <laughs> gotta look at the books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, we always like to start the show with the sponsors. That way, we're not dragging you through like some NPR promo the whole show. Let's talk about them really fast. Did you know about Fort's Toyota Peak and Daryl? I've seen a thing or two about them. Yeah. They are a great family-owned dealership, a new car Toyota dealership in North Pekin, Illinois. You can be found on the web at www.toyota-pekin.com. There you'll find their full inventory of new and used Toyotas, and you'll also find the AutoSmart. AutoSmart's there. Uh, what do we say? If you have troubled credit, Daryl? You might find a car that might fits in your budget. They can take care of you there. You can also find our service and parts department, and you can also find the trail team page. hey Yeah, Fort's trail team. They're uh, out and aggressively wheeling maybe this November, so you'll uh, see some news there about that. You'll also find links to their Facebook, their Instagram, and their Twitter. Make sure you stop by www.toyota-peakin.com to service your next appointment, schedule your next service appointment, or look for your next new car. Fair enough, fair enough. We'd also say uh, thank you to the Casey Law Office. You can find them on the web, clomorton.com, another proud sponsor of this here podcast. They're, of course, they specialize in uh, consumer law, automotive purchases, anything automotive, actually, uh, home purchases, repair, anything you might need some representation. Well, they've got you covered there. Visit them at clomorton.com uh, for more information and see how they can help you get the results that you deserve. Also on Facebook, check them out there. Yeah, if you ever feel like you got screwed, Call Gabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clomorton.com. All right, we got a little bit of feedback this last week. Now, it wasn't exactly a uh, review. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna maybe I'll go through that a little bit later. But I, do I get it? Do I get worked up by reviews? I might. You take them personally. Anyway, Craig sent us an email. He said, after much thought and consideration, race daily kill has never set well with me. You're present. You present three mostly interesting cars, none of which visit should visit the crusher. I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, Craig. It's fine. The last straw came when you both killed the VW van. Thus oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I, I, was that last or two two episodes? I think ago? it was two episodes ago. Okay. Thus in the future, please refer to the segment as race daily restore. If that violates the F Mary Kill parallel thing with women, that probably was out of date anyway. Love your show. Thanks for the hard work. You know <laughs> You does may he find raise, this, uh, he raise a good point. He does. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know anymore with the Chappelle thing. Who knows what's what's right or wrong? But uh, that segment, as skeezy as it might sound, you know, if you, if you think about it, that came out of of your. I would say you're the the nicest guy in the world, Daryl. You it's, came up with that segment. It did. It's it's the most demented thing I've ever thought of. <laughs> Actually, no. There's there's a lot more, but no, it did. It did. He does have a point though, like. The whole killing of a car that you don't like. We should never kill a car. Because we, we, we always pick cars. I mean, we've been doing this wheelhouse thing of, of older cars. Yeah. Race Daily Kills start off with new cars. And I think the Crusher can be justified because we just hate some new cars. There's but some garbage out there. If we're dealing with some cars from the 70s or 80s, 
Right. We can't send those. To, right. Yeah, we can't it crush be, that or kill them. It'd be a cardinal sin. I also think, too, like when you watch some of those sto- uh, shows, TV shows, where they're like doing a restoration or they're hot rodding a car and they take all the original stuff out and just throw it in a pile on the yeah. floor. You know, you're like, my dad and I would always watch that when I was younger and be like, oh, they could sell those seats or, you know, someone could really use that chrome that they ripped the, off of this. It's thing. the American picker in you. Yeah, it's just, oh, man, that's worth something. So I understand that uh, that philosophy, Craig. We probably should use the whole animal and not just send a car into the scrap heap. <laughs> but this is all virtual, much like our cars of the week. So no so actual no cars, cars were killed. No cars were killed or harmed in the making of okay. these podcasts. Okay, all right. Well, that's a relief because I think maybe <laughs> some people might take it too seriously. We need a disclaimer. Yeah, exactly. All right. Jake also said he, he sent us an article about this, and it was really good for a, a Halloween theme show. But sorry, Jake, uh, this is the Halloween episode. So. So, boo. Was this the last uh, AMC dealership? Yeah. It was like yeah. out in North Carolina or something? I, I, I mean, if you say you're the last AMC dealership, it must be like the last like boneyard of AMCs, right? Because you're yeah. not selling a new AMC. No. And uh, what's that guy, the Lambrick Chevrolet auction? Do you remember that years ago? No. Where there was like a Chevy dealer out in Nebraska who squirreled stuff away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like passes away, unfortunately. And then everybody is stuck with this, like, giant mass of old cars and parts that are still new Dude, in the box. I drove by Roland Rich the other day, that Where's lot that? down Delavan. He literally has cars that are down to the axles in the dirt. They sit there so long. Is that the one that's – okay. I've driven past the – there's, like, an old showroom yeah. with stuff piled in there. No, no, no. That's not – no. That's downtown. That's a different spot. Okay. I don't know who – what that is, there's a tractor in there, some old cars. Yeah, yeah. No, Roland's out on the main drag of 122 or 121, whatever it is. And the cars, it's getting kind of skeezy. That's it's, too bad. Yeah, it's getting kind of weird. So anyway, if you ever drive through Delavan, check that out. Uh, now, who's Dave L? Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a friend of mine uh, who's a listener of the show and an automotive enthusiast. And he's, he's into Jeeps. Ooh. So you wouldn't like him? Um, no, we no, don't like Jeep guys. He's, fine. he's a good dude. Really good dude and uh, knows his way around a lot of electronics, if you will. Ah. Uh, he's He's an incredible... If you need something fixed, Dave can do it. Wait a second. I thought you were the guy calling something needs fixed. No, I, I can't. I'm just, no. If it's <laughs> if it's really boneheaded stuff, yes. But if you need like a jukebox restored or you need somebody to like weld something, Dave's, Dave's that guy. He's got everything. Okay. He's a good dude. But he, he gave a, a nice bit of kudos. He says he likes the audio processing we've been doing on the last few shows and says the levels are great. So – Whatever we're doing, I think we should just keep that up. Please, you know, you might want to listen to the pre-show on Dave. I don't know. It was uh, <laughs> the levels got a little out of control. That was just to keep the Amazon cable that fell yeah, apart. My Jeff Bezos cable. Yeah, I'm going to sue them. You know, speaking of guys who can fix stuff, do you know Daryl Scott? Can I tell you a little bit about Daryl Scott, my co-host? Mm, maybe. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little something about him. The high moral fiber that lets a man be friends with his ex-girlfriend after a failed relationship. Well, that's the same character trait that lets a man be friends with a guy who bought his project, like Super Tahoe, <laughs> and then watch it blossom with its new partner in, in his hands. Yeah. If you love something, set it free. That's Daryl Scott. That's very true. Yeah. It's very true. Shout you're out to you're a very nice guy. I, I, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes you, I'm a jerk. But. You, might, you might see the black Tahoe in the street and wave. I mean, most guys wouldn't do that. Super Tahoe is it's got a new lease on life. It's looking and running better than ever. And uh, congrats to Brent, the, the new owner. He's he's put a lot into that thing. So uh, I, I couldn't be happier. Um, yeah, but well, also when you put it that way, like it's an ex-girlfriend, it's kind of weird. 
Yeah, you should. You you shouldn't wave at her on the street. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. You should wish for the worst. You should wish for a tire to pop every time you see her. That's bad karma. It's bad karma. Okay. All right. So uh, for those who don't know Eric Stahl, when people talk about a barn find, you know, a lot of us car folks envision a maybe a dusty old Chevy pickup tucked away in the corner of a picturesque red and white American barn. Well, then there's the barn finds that my co-host discovers while doing some weekend cleaning. Uh, does anyone need any fence posts or maybe some scrap metal? He found all of that stuff in his, his barn. Uh, contact the American picker who's smarter than Mike and way better looking than Frankie. He's Mr. Eric Stahl. Man, I don't know. Frankie and I, if we were in a looks contest, <laughs> it might be a draw. Uh, <laughs> he's Did he go bye-bye? Uh, I think he said something wrong. I think he... I mean, he had some stuff. Yeah, he didn't say anything very woke, and I think he got... Uh, he might have been uh, yeah, cut off know. the show. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe there's an opening. They're up in the Quad Cities. Maybe yeah, you Let's can do it, man. Let's do it. Get up there. You and I can be the next pickers. Yeah, we need a cool van. I, I got a whole story about that, that garage. I sold posts, and I sold a refrigerator that week. I made 300 bucks just selling stuff out of my garage. You had a fridge in, in there? In two days. It was a freezer. Good for you. Yeah, it's a stand-up freezer with, with uh, static... Uh, cooler racks, so you couldn't do anything. I couldn't put like a kegerator in there or anything like that. Because oh. believe me, I thought about it. Yeah, but it, it was. But a deer hunter bought it for two hundred bucks. So sold. Yeah. Anyway, done. Nice job. So, what do you got in there now? Uh, I got to show you. It's clean, man. It's nice. So you have yeah. room for more cars. Eh. <laughs> Didn't I buy enough this year? Yeah. yeah, you did. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for commenting. Hey, and thanks for no reviews on iTunes. That is, I. Uh, I check every day, folks. It's like it's like when you have the tooth fairy who like slighted you, but you never want to tell your parents they forgot to give you the money. You know, where's my two dollars? Yeah, exactly. I check the iTunes reviews every day. So, uh, my friend Jen Lee said she was shocked at how many five star reviews we have. Did thanks. you say we, we bribed them? Yeah, thanks, Jen. That's what I think. That's what she was implying. So, like, what do you? You guys aren't that good. Yeah, right. And then uh, Craig Fuller did actually recommend us on Facebook. Uh, he said that it's a fun auto news and hijink. Fun auto news and hijinks by a couple of regular guys with an appreciation for old and new iron. Thanks, Thanks Craig. Craig. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. And just don't kill any more of those Volkswagen vans. <laughs> well, are you ready for this? Yeah. What did you do? What did you do? Race Daily Kill, Daryl. Race Daily Restore. No, well, <laughs> Race Daily I, I mean, maybe I need a different like, restore. echo. Yeah, yeah you can hear there it. You go. There you go. Race Daily. Race Daily Restore. Doesn't have the same ring to no, it. No, it doesn't. Not nearly as hyper-aggressive as I want it to be. Daryl, this week, I had thought about doing a Volkswagen van before it even came up. But then I realized we've done a Volkswagen van. But I thought, air-cooled. We don't talk enough about air-cooled. I mean, now That's that, true. Now that California's banning all air-cooled anything, I thought, why don't we do air-cooled cars? Okay. Air-cooled cars, I mean, that can mean... I mean, when you Google... Air-cooled cars. There's a whole bunch. But three that popped up that I thought were pretty cool were the Citron 2 CV, mm-hmm. a whopping uh, nine-horsepower car, I think is what it came out with. The Type 34, which is better known as the Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Beautiful. And beautiful. the 1959 Corvair, air-cooled two-door. These are all coupes. They're all air-cooled, and they all have a motor in the trunk, in the boot, Daryl. Yes, yes. Does the, Cit- does the Citron's motor in the boot? Uh, n- no, the, no, it's not. It's, it's in the front. In the front. It. Oh. It's in the front. That's right. Fail on That's my right. part. So, Daryl, I propose to you right now, if you had to race one of these cars mm. and you had to daily one of these cars and then yeah. maybe restore one but probably kill it, what would you do in this scenario with these three cars? Uh, okay. So not to prolong all of this, but I will just say I have a soft spot for the Corvair being a Chevy guy in my previous life. Apologist. 
anthropologist. And uh, my grandparents had a Corvair when my mom was really little. Oh, that's so a genetic thing then. I I have a soft spot for the Corvair. I don't know. They kind of had a little, the early ones, which they came out in 59 as a 60 model, 60 to 69 officially. The early ones had a uh, little problem with the swing axle in the back, and uh, you might have heard about some famous deaths. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the whole Ralph Nader, the Ribikoff <laughs> inquiry, all of that stuff. Uh, not necessarily one I want to take on a racetrack just because of the unstableness of it. So I would probably, I'd say I'd daily that. I'd daily a Corvair. I'd probably race the Carmen Ghia just because it looks like a little Porsche or something fun. And you can do a little – I think they actually had a little more horsepower than the Beetle. It was probably like 40 or 50 Yeah, I think they were 34 horse or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't that much. But, yeah, you got that flat four, a uh, couple Solex carbs, a little bit of tweaks. I think that could be a nice little performer on a road course. The Citroen is cute. My wife absolutely loves the two CVs. There's one in town. It's a blue one, and it's got that rollback cloth sunroof. I've never seen it. Super cute. They They really are – it looks like something like Mickey or Minnie Mouse would drive. They're really cute little cars. However, I would probably say kill or restore uh, the 2CV simply because it's really just not that much of a car. It's really a motorcycle with a shell around it. Yeah, nine horsepower doesn't sound like it's going to get the business done no matter what you're doing with it. No, a little little two-cylinder, air-cooled motor, not a lot of horsepower. And, like, the windows don't roll down. They're like the – The flap. They're flat. Oh, I have seen it. They flip up. I think, like, when we first started doing the show, you and I must have run into one somewhere. Then I flat-out admired the flap windows. I was just like, oh, my God, look at this. Yeah, I mean, the sunroof opens up. All that is to say there's no ventilation system in the car. It's basically <laughs> just whatever. Oh, is there no, like, fan? I don't think th- I don't think there's anything. And this was back in the day. This was made in post-World War II France where uh, things were ch- – your, your vehicle tax, the, what you paid to run the car was based on how big the motor was. So they basically said, okay, we're going to give you the least amount of cubic Pe- inches. People would suffer just to save on taxes. Yes, That's hilarious. Would. Isn't that hilarious? We'll give you the smallest, crummiest little underpowered garbage so you can only pay like 100 – what is it in France? Francs? <laughs> Whatever it is. It is francs. Yeah. I'm so well-traveled. Yeah. So anyways, that would be my choice. I would race the Carmen Ghia, daily the Corvair, and kill slash restore the Du Chevaux. Okay. Well, it doesn't happen very often, Daryl, but I'm going to tell you this. Mm. I'm going to daily the Corvair. I think when it comes down to it, I need something a little comfortable. I'm looking at that Citron and the Carmagia as much as I love the Carmagia and uh, the, just the looks. And I know it's got that Volkswagen reliability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go for the Carmagia, But, uh, no, the Corvair is cool, and I think it's going to be a luxury ride compared to the other two. So I'm going to daily that car. And I'm, you know what? If I'm going to hit the track, mm-hmm. I can't think of a better sound than that Volkswagen engine, that Put put like Herbie noise yes. screaming out of the back end of that car <laughs> as it's as it's laid back down because all the torque and the weight of that car is coming out of the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Total fun. So I'm I'm racing the Type 34 of the Carmagia and I'm I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to restore it and I'm going to put it as a museum piece. The Citron 2CV. You know, it's a cool car, but I don't want to drive it every day to work. That's for sure. And I'm definitely not taking it on the track. So that car. It's getting restored and putting it in a museum where it belongs. Are you pandering at this point? I am pandering. Are you pandering? Yeah. No, that's I the think last that's time. I mean, I, I, I actually, I wouldn't want to kill that car anyway. No, it's such a cool little study in minimalist design. Yeah, yeah, it really looks like it was made of road signs and whatever pieces you had laying in a barn. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know if you know this, Daryl. It's just a game. <laughs> 
It's, I was taking it very seriously. <laughs> it's just a game. But this isn't real life? No, it's just a game. It's fine. All right. So, yeah, that's our picks. It does. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time you and I picked the same thing. I think it's only happened like three times. Yeah. That in, was like the third time. 55 shows. Wow. I, I need to go back and update this and our cars of the week. We need to keep a running total. We, yeah, I think you're right. And then we need to maybe at the end of the year, instead of doing a crappy Christmas show, maybe we just do a like best of. A best of and then out of the list of we What's picked. a crappy – what is that What is that supposed to mean? No. Are you disrespecting the Christmas <laughs> no, show? No. Did you getting, hear that? No, it's terrible. We keep getting gigged <laughs> on the Christmas shows. They're it's weak. A, they're self-indulgent Christmas shows. They are. They're coming up. What? I mean, really, we're a month away from that Christmas show. We should start planning now. I think we should. All right. Or maybe you should start sending suggestions to info at thronewrenches.com. Maybe you could put it in a review and I could read it on the air. Love it. We want a Christmas show that gives everybody gout. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Scurvy. It's gross. It's <laughs> so gross. <laughs> All right. So um, in real life, that was not real life. That was just a game. Oh, that was just a game. It was just a game. Okay. In real life, IRL, hashtag, um, what have you been working on? What's, uh, what's been keeping you up at night? Um, well, I uh, cleaned out the barn, and uh, like I said earlier, I made some money you know, cleaning out that barn, as you pointed out so aptly in our introductions. Yeah. Um, so the camper we took out for our maiden voyage out to San Cody, and uh, San Cody's a little little trout fishing pond lake thing. Resort. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a resort. I think that's the best word for it. We went out there, and they have the Cadillac. Cadillac being the Lexus, being the Infinity, being the Mercedes, whatever you want to call it. It's the nicest RV camper area you could park at. They have all the fittings and all the accoutrement you might need to make sure that you can uh, be using all your facilities in your camper and be enjoying life as it was designed to do. So Angine went up there, set up, made camp, and uh, we slept our first night in it. Had the heater going, the Fire alarm went off twice in that thing that night. <laughs> I got to figure out what the hell that's all about. <laughs> was it probably just the temperature change? I don't know because I think I, maybe the heater is was burning off its coat. I don't know, but <laughs> it's, it's probably fine. <laughs> I don't know. I, so we got through that. Angel took a shower in it. She used the bathroom. I drained out all the tanks. Listen, it's a learning adventure. I've never done yeah. this before. It this, was this your maiden voyage, not just yeah. for this camper, but for any camper, right? Yeah, I never I, owned one. Never owned one. I mean, this literally could have been a podcast unto itself. I, I <laughs> talked about it. And we talked about it at length on the pre-show about San Cody. San Cody is a very nice place, and I highly recommend it to anybody. And if you don't know about it, yeah, I think you know just just Google San Cody, S A N K O T Y, and uh, look up. It's in Spring Bay, Illinois. It's very cool. It's very different. It's not what you expect in Central Illinois, but. Uh, had a fun time. It was a good Friday night. We uh, enjoyed. We went to the restaurant. We cooked marshmallows and s'mores and stuff over the fires they had built out there. It was just, it was perfect. I mean, as I got removed from it from a day or two, and I thought back, I'm like, man, I did not soak that in. If we would have got there like noon that day, have set a up more time to and unwind, re- just relaxed, yeah. and had my drink, got my bows going, you know, just chilled out. Mm-hmm. I think it would be even better. So I, I can't complain at all. It's a fun time. So you do it again. Yeah. So that was our camper. Um, the super lost its radio this last week. What happened? Is, did you put a new one in? Yeah, I put a new one in. So the, I, I went to Aiden's parade for homecoming. My son, who was homecoming king, by the way, didn't tell us until he was homecoming king. Oh, by the way, dad, homecoming king. <laughs> I got a parade. I got to go to. I murder my son. Well, anyway, we're driving over there, and the antenna's like going up and down, and the radio's like coming on, power down, coming on, power down, and then finally just stopped going. Huh. That's not good. So I'm not sure if the radio blew out, if there's a line that's shorted out in my system or what. Loose ground or something. Something's got to be like that. So huh. I, I want to sell that car, Daryl. 
Do you? My goal is to sell that car. Well, we're having a trunk or treat this weekend. Hopefully, I'll have to show up by the trunk or treat. But uh, uh, I want it's JDM, so we're going to have the Supras. There's going to be a couple Supras out there. I want to have my Mark III Supra out there for the trunk or treat. But I want a radio, man. I just You need to have that. I don't like driving a car. Even with the top off, I like to have radio. Don't See, you? No. No, because I, I... You drive old crappy cars with one speaker, don't you? I never, got, I never thought about this. I, the radio is the least important feature in any of your cars, isn't it? I, that's why I love our 55 Plymouth, because it never had a radio. It's just got a big block-off delete plate, <laughs> and I just I don't have to think about anything. I just drive the car. I got Apple CarPlay in the Supra. To me, that was... <laughs> I, I, I want to be able to plug my phone in and have Spotify streaming, and that's then I'm content. I could be driving a jalopy. Yeah. As long as I have Apple CarPlay... I'm You're fine. fine. Yeah. Have have you just said you had a Bose, like a Bluetooth speaker? Would yeah, you just yeah. chuck that in the no, cup holder? No, and no, no, no. Do you have cup holders? In the Supra? Yeah. No, there's not. Okay, then you need a radio. Yeah, no. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> I've done the thing. Do you have cup holders in the 55? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, but no, my 47 Chevy, that's got a radio, and that actually works. I never use it, though, because... Just, uh, yeah, my grandpa had a Cadillac when I was a kid. This, I'm sorry, getting away from projects here. It's fine. The, the it was a convertible. I think it was a '55 or something like that. Maybe it was a '61. Anyway, the back seat had one big speaker in the middle of it. Yeah, like is it uh, where the head, like the backrests yes. are? And so, yeah. as a kid, I would always get stuck in the middle seat. And so we'd be doing something. The next thing you know, I'd like slam my head back and go right into the. And it wasn't a plastic housing. No, it's like a mesh. It was a metal mesh housing. <laughs> Stainless. I, I think I probably have concussion wounds from that thing. So, well, you imagine, yeah, if you got in a wreck, oh, just, just six by nine embedded <laughs> in the back of your head. That's no, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Well, put that up, put it out there at the show, and see what yeah, happens. We'll see what happens. Anyway. People like putting their own stereo and stuff, anyways. Yeah. Everyone, will, it's funny. Someone will buy something uh, that's got an aftermarket stereo in it. And, like, within a month, like, I hate the stereo. I'm going to rip it out. And they put their own in. Yeah. Then they sell the car and they take the stereo with them. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was $200 on Crutchfield. Best 200 bucks I ever spent. Perfect fit. You know, so as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm not complaining. But uh, i got to make it work, so. Sure. You'll get there. Uh, other than that, yeah, my son, as soon as he drove the 97 Tacoma the day, as I would clean out the barn, threw a bunch of stuff in the back for the burn pile. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you want to drive the Tacoma out to the burn pile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do that. I want to do that. He gets out there, and then he comes back. He calls me on the cell phone. Actually, he's out the burn pile. He goes, Dad, I think there's something wrong with the brakes. They're sticking. They're sliding. I'm like, okay, can you make it back at the time? Because I had a guy here buying the, the uh, fridge at the time. Oh, so you were occupied. Yeah, I said, just can you drive back? Yeah, I think I drive back. And so he pulls up, and I, I hop in just to see, and the brakes just go straight to the floor. Straight. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, so and, this is what's up. Yeah, and so I, I – I pump on a little bit. I'm like, hey, tell me if anything's coming out from underneath. And he goes, yeah, something's coming out. It's, you know. it's raining. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> right above the fuel tank. And I can uh. just tell by the defeated look on my son. Now, you got to remember, my son, when he drove the Supra, it got overheated. It was yeah. it had a little antifreeze coming out. So we changed the thermostat on that. The Celica, the radiator cracked on he was driving. Uh, you know, I didn't know that he was driving that, too. Yeah, it's just... He's like, I'm not driving anything that's old anymore. I'm like, this dude, this is what old cars are. You you just have to deal with it. Now, I think in reality, that 97 Tacoma, I'm going to just take and pinch that line off for the rear brakes. I don't need the rear brakes. The truck just drives around the yard, does leaves yeah. leaves and twigs. Sure. Now, I feel bad for the next guy, but I'm going to disclose it. It's not like a big deal. And and actually, am I really ever getting rid of that truck? Why I don't not? know. I might, I might do some flare fittings and, and fit a line in there. 
I was going to say, can you get uh, it just kind of shoot a line above the probably and zip tie just so you have a hard, good hard line, but you're not having to drop the tank yeah. and redo. Because I'm, I'm with you, that would suck. Because yeah. it's not just dropping the tank; you're going to bust the straps. Yeah. You got all those emissions fittings. Like it's just going to be a nightmare. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's a rust bucket underneath. So I could take the bed off. Run it from the top. Nah, nah. The bed's still in good shape. So is it? Anyway. Right. anyway, so that's all that's going on in the stall household, Daryl. What's going on over at the Auto Museum of North Peoria, <laughs> yeah, as we right. like to call the Scott Auto Museum? <laughs> that's right. Um, not much, actually. I haven't had any of the old cars out since Friday Night Lights, which was, I guess, the middle of the month. They had a trunk or treat. In that's East when Peoria. I went camping. Yeah, yeah, that was the weekend. So it was, <laughs> it was pouring rain that Friday. Actually, it wound up being okay. It rained for a good chunk of the evening, and then it got really nice, beautiful sunset. Yep. Uh, you got some great pictures. I actually was, was standing there in the Levy District uh, handing out candy while that was going on. But it was great. Actually, huge turnout and mad props to uh, Preston and the gang who organized that along with, I believe it's the East Peoria, um, well, I, I think it's the whole city, but also the first responders, fire and police department were there in full force with vehicles handing out stuff. There were guys from the 182nd Airlift Wing and the National Guard Base that were uh, that were handing out stuff. They had a Humvee there. It was great. That's cool. Kids ate it up. And even with the weather... It was a huge turnout. We actually went through, I want to say, 10 pounds of candy. It was ridiculous. Because now, we, what's 10 pounds? Like five bags? No, like what, most of the new big bags, like you get at Costco, are five-pounders. So two five-pound bags? So we, had, we brought one with us. We ran out. Sarah went to Costco, got two more thinking we'd have leftovers. <laughs> we blew through those. We actually shut down, and we just kind of walked around because we, we ran out of candy. Uh, but it was a great turnout, wonderful event, and uh, we had the Plymouth out for that. Uh, but honestly, no, we just kind of tucked everything away, and Lord help me, I hope to get us, our stuff out more in 2022. It seems like this year I had some mechanical challenges. I had the brakes on the 47 went out. Yeah, but I, I still feel like, I mean, I get not, not that you and I have known each other that long, but uh, I mean, we've been doing the show for two years, known each other three years. Yeah. Um, is it that long or is it longer? We've, we've known each other longer, but yeah. yeah. But uh, I think you got out, I mean, you got Bork out a couple times, you, you fixed up. Yeah, the, the forty. What, what years? Forty-seven. The forty-seven. You actually got it going. Yep, um, I got the fifty-five all back. I got, yeah. you know, the radiator. The not uh, to mention, Daryl. I mean, you bought a couple other cars throughout the year, so you got the Solara was out driving around. Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, you were busy. No, it, it, things are things are going better. I, I just when I take stuff out of storage in the spring, I just hope it stays fixed. You know what I mean? Like when you when you work yeah. on something, you park it, and the next time you start it, you're like, oh, this doesn't work. Or like, yeah, like you're saying with a Supra, it's like yeah. everything's good. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Or the, like the white Tacoma that my son pulled out. <laughs> the brake. I'm like, really? Yeah. You know what I can do, though? Just like I've done before. I'm going to push it in the garage. I'm not going to worry about it until spring. That's the, that's the mentality. <laughs> 2022 is our year, right? That's our year. Yeah. Anyway. All right. You ready for the first segment of the show, Daryl? Let's do it. What are we looking at? The news. All right. Get that music going through there. All right. Uh, Daryl, I don't know if you know this. Car companies, including Porsche, GM, and Toyota, have big 5G plans. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Porsche is one of a handful of automakers that have been teamed with telecom carriers to build small and local 5G networks to try the technology to develop it in new car models. High-speed networks are so new that the automakers still need to test or, in some cases, design the equipment that they need. But they have big ambitions for the technology. Manufacturers aim to use the high-speed networks to do a host of things, including downloading crucial software updates on the go, updating digital maps with greater speed, and sounding alerts about road conditions. The cars might also communicate with other smart infrastructure items, such as traffic lights and buildings, so that a self-driving taxi would know that a stoplight the next interchange is red. 
this is cool. Yeah, I can see that. Comes in handy. Yeah. Especially on road trips. I had trips. to upload some software to a customer's car with a USB drive this last week. I can tell you that this technology has to happen. I, I am so tired of USB drives. Is it uh, – what were you updating? Maps? And, uh, navigation? I was updating the firmware because, you know, after – iOS 13 or 14 came out. Yeah. Voice to text doesn't work in customers' cars and things like that. It's just, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And the customers don't even know. And so the manufacturer, and God bless the manufacturer I work for, I know a lot of the, um, the reps listen to the show, they cover it for three years or 36,000 miles. So a lot of customers don't even know that this software needs updated. So they come in at 50,000, 70,000, whatever. So I take care of it. We don't charge. You buy the car at our dealership, we're going to take care of this stuff. But nice. It's a pain. You yeah, gotta, so that interface is still USB. Yeah. Nothing's changed and since I, 2001. Yeah, and it's not like I can walk up and it says, oh, you need this. I don't know anything. i got to look up the serial number, or not the serial number, but this large model number based on the year. I don't know which, if they have a Denso radio, a Panasonic radio, a Pioneer radio. i got to go in there and search for the service bulletin with that one and then identify that radio model number with its DCU and its ECU and then maybe download one or two <laughs> software files. Hoping one this, works. This process takes 30 to 45 minutes by the time you identify, download, decompress an 800 meg file, and then put it in the customer's car. And the radios don't absorb that technology that fast. It takes a while for it to download on there. It's so a nightmare. So you're saying 5G might have some Hallelujah. benefits. Yeah. We, we need we, – I've heard that Honda, if you tie in your Wi-Fi network to your car, it, you pull it into your garage – It'll download the software automatically. And I'm sure there's other auto manufacturers that do this. See, and that's that's genius. I, I really like that idea. Um, I also can see the benefit to – it was talking about weather and road conditions. You know, if you're on a road trip somewhere, I mean, sure, you've got ways if, you know, speed trap ahead or you've got this yeah. or, you know, traffic accident reported, whatever. Um, but I can also see things like – the one thing everyone listens to now in their car is their streaming service of choice. They're yeah. not listening to the local stations where they're giving out weather, actual, like, real-time, there's a tornado warning in this town or this county or whatever. You know, I, I can see a fair amount of that being useful in terms of real-time data that would be helpful on a, on a road trip. Think about, okay, so I posted on the trail team page just last week, Fort trail team. Um, there was a big pileup in Houston February last year. Yes. What if the cars knew that there was a massive, the massive stop coming up. The yeah. cars would slow down automatically. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I am not, I am anti-electronics in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm all about petrol. Believe me, I want to be driving down the road with a gas-powered car. Sure. Uh, but sure. I think there's, there's a time and a place where you have so much congestion, you have so much traffic, and believe me, our infrastructure can't handle, you know, millions more cars every year on the road. So when you have a giant pileup in a, in a, fog storm like that mm-hmm. god what genius would it be if you could have technology in the cars that said even if it came up on your radio or your your, your spotify playlist somebody yeah. just said hey emergency come up or your smartwatch right right yeah. if my garmin popped up and you said hey emergency ahead i mean you always have the the newer cars a lot of newer cars you know depending on the either the atmospheric conditions the temperature or the moisture or whatever humidity it'll be like caution ice likely or ice possible mm-hmm. or something like you know yeah, if you tie that weather conditions plus the traffic flow, all those things to kind of integrate and talk to one another yeah. to let you know, hey, dingus, you're going 85 in a foggy storm, yeah. and everybody in front of you went from 85 to zero. <laughs> Apply the brakes. Yeah. Let's scrub yes, off yes, some speed. Yes, yes. I think it would save lives. Yeah. So No, I think it's I think it's the future. We're a long way off. I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about all kinds of different things. but uh, Which, by the way, I've seen two car commercials in the last week talking about hands-free driving. Have you seen this? 
Uh, what manufacturers? One is a Chevy, and I thought one was a Lexus or Acura or something. Yeah. And it was all like hands-free driving, yeah, coming I, soon. Okay, I'm like, so yeah, I think it was this? a Chevy commercial. I saw it. I don't watch football, and I think that football is where it gets all the good commercials, right? Yeah, because that's what it was. It was uh, Monday Night Football or something was right before the news. They were running late. Yeah. And I watched the tail end trying to get the news, yeah. and I saw that Chevy commercial. I'm like, what's this? The next night, I, I think it was Acura. Same thing. Yeah. Same exact thing. I don't know. I, that part's scary. I, I, I mean – as I drive the 2017 Forerunner, it's got some features in it. Uh, it doesn't have the laser cruise, but um, did it have the lane? Uh, yeah, I, lane I'm trying to remember what it had. It's got something that kind of it, it baffled me for a split second. But oh, I kind of like that. I think it has. I think it has the uh, the cruise set. But mm. anyway, as I drive some cars with the lane departure and stuff like that, it does spoil you. It does, and it keeps you thinking. And even just even have a blind spot monitor in your mirror to tell you there's a car beside That's you. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the future's not all bad, right? We're getting soft. We're getting too soft. Yeah, I think we are. I need a car with nothing but a (laughs) five-speed and four wheels. And a big V8 that gets eight miles per gallon. Exactly. Um, Speaking of being hard, tough guys, let's talk about some cars that are very popular amongst the thieves. The thievery. Thievery. Yes. America's most stolen cars of 2020, according to Autoblog. This is always a great list. Yeah, yeah. So I and I I see these all the time and I don't think much about it, but I mean, let's look at this right here. Yeah. I'm going to start at number 10, Daryl. Okay. Let, let's alternate here. I'm going to go number 10 is the Dodge full-size pickup. 11,000 11,900 thefts last year and and that changed 6%. It was an increase. Wow. And the most common year stolen a 2001 Dodge full-size truck. All right. Number 9, uh the Honda CRV SUV clocked in. And that actually was an increase of 21.9% from that's huge. 2019. That's so, a bi- yeah. that's, it's almost the biggest mover on the charts. Most common model year stolen, though, is a 2000, <laughs> which kind is of kind of bizarre. Now, this is no, this is a really weird one. Number eight, Toyota Corolla, 12,000. You know, it's gone up 3% from the previous year, but it's a 2020 model is the most common stolen. Now, 2020 to me screams, I shouldn't be that easy to steal because I have a smart key. I have an immobilizer. How can that car be that most, the most stolen? Are they putting it in their pocket? Are they <laughs> picking it up and towing it? Like, what are they doing? Interesting. Number seven would be a GMC full-size pickup. That would be the Sierra, which accounted for 13,000 thefts last year and 16% increase from 2019. Most popular year stolen, 2005. Yeah, going back on – the trucks seem to be older because the Nissan Altima from 2020, Daryl, it's number six. It's up 9%. 14,000 of those were stolen in 2020. Uh, number five, right there in the middle of the pack, would be the Toyota Camry, and that uh, pretty much an eight percent increase from 2019 numbers. Most common model year stolen would be a 2019 Camry. That's crazy. But but then get this. Okay, so I got a 2020 Altima, I got a 2019 or 2020 Corolla, I got a 2019 Camry. But then clocking in at number four is a 1997 Honda Accord at 30,000 thefts. Wow. That's insane. I wonder if that's because that one's super easy. For the longest time, the 91 Honda Accord was like the top car stolen for, I want to say, 15 years running. 90, that's insane. Yeah. 30,000, you know, the most common year, 1997. <laughs> wow. Old, reliable. So the 91 is mixing with the 2020s, what's going on there. It's so weird. Yeah. Number three, third most popular vehicle stolen in the U.S. in 2019 was the Honda Civic. Uh, that just saw a 2.8% increase from 2019. And the model year popular with Thieves, the 2000. That's it, Honda Civic. The Hondas are, you know, apparently the old Hondas are the hot ticket. Number two is a full size Chevy pickup. Common year is 2004. There were 40,000 of those stolen in 2020. 
Interesting, interesting. And the number one top most common vehicle theft of 2020 happened to involve the Ford F-Series pickup truck, up 13% from 2019's figures, and the most common model year stolen would be the 2006 F-150. Now, I, my takeaway on this is yeah. that the rental cars, I mean, uh, the the Camry, the Altima, the Corolla, those being 2019, 2020 mm-hmm. you know, models, those are all re- those those scream Hertz rent a car, Enterprise rent a car, right? Yeah, fleet cars. Dude, and but, nobody's watching an airport, or yeah. I could I could see those easily getting picked off somewhere, or some kid at Enterprise. I'm going to report this car stolen. It wasn't turned back in at 10 a.m. Right. <laughs> but the ones <laughs> maybe that not. Me, I might be simple simplifying it. I mean, 10, 20 in some in some cases, yeah, 20 year old vehicles. That's that's weird to me, dude. The 97 Accord. That just screams how many old ones are out there is what that is. Is some of that parts, I mean, are they worth, are these types of cars, are they with thieves? Can they take it to a chop shop, cut them up, and get the parts out there quickly and get a decent buck for them? I think what it is is those cars are still on the road is what it boils down to. They're just accessible. Yeah, I think those cars are still laying around. And uh, I I would be interested now, now that I know this list, Mm -hmm. if I look around in traffic, are those the most common cars I see next to me on the road? Possibly, yeah. That, but that, I want to look for a '97 Accord. I need to put a picture of a '97 Accord up and just like, have you seen me? And just see, <laughs> is that if you see that car, it's likely stolen. I mean, put it on a milk, here. milk carton. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like a '97 Accord. There's a show LX. poster, folks. I think I just came up with it. Love it. Yeah, love anyway. it. All right, great Top. list. Thank you. Um, we ready for this this big big gearhead story, Daryl? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so Chevrolet. Uh, Never headline. heard of them. Oh, oh, you like those guys. Are they a French company? Chevrolet? They're still American, I believe. They are. All right. So Chevy unveiled the biggest, most powerful V8 engine ever ahead of a push to kind of work some electricity into their vehicle lineup. This is according to Fox News. Uh, and I actually, it's kind of made the rounds here in the last yeah, week. Yeah, it wasn't just Fox News. Uh, Chevrolet Performance Division has revealed the biggest and most powerful naturally aspirated V8 engine that it has <laughs> ever built in the history of ever. And that's even as General Motors is accelerating its transition towards electric power. The 632-cubic-inch ZZ632-1000 crate engine was designed for drag racing builds and not meant to be used on the street. (laughs) Is it not street legal? What's that mean? Uh, The 10-liter mill is rated – that's right, 10 liters. That's a big mamma jamma. That's a mamma jamma. It's rated at 1,004 horsepower and 876 (laughs) pound-feet of torque on pump gas without the use of supercharging. Holy smokes, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I love seeing. I love seeing some naturally aspirated power. Yeah, it wasn't like turbo or compress. Nothing's nothing's compressed here. This is just cranking it out. But it's also – 10 liters. Uh, Chevy's current top offering is the ZZ572. That's the big 572 crate motor you see in a lot of hot rods and drag boats and things like that. Uh, that one's rated at 727 horsepower and, you know, a modest 680 pound-feet. That, by the way, would tear down anything you'd ever need it to. That's incredible. <laughs> well, what's the weight? I think that's the one takeaway I'm not getting here. What's the weight difference between that... Uh the 40R at the, you know, at, the, at that point, I'd say probably 70 pounds. If that's that, probably really? the same block, it's oh. probably the same block. Okay. They just, I don't know what they're doing with it. But, anyways, <laughs> it's an iron block. So, like God intended, no <laughs> aluminum, no magnesium, just iron. And it was designed with a red line of 7,000 RPM. That's big for a big block. Oh, yeah. That's screaming. 
so it features electronic port injection fed through symmetrical ports built into a CNC-machined aluminum head, forged aluminum pistons along with forged steel crank and connecting rods. Chevy said a single engine was subjected to 200 simulated runs during development without issue, so 200 poles down the drag strip. I guess that's... Is that, is that enough for you to slap it in your truck and just try it out? Maybe, maybe. Pricing has not been released, but will make its debut at the SEMA show in Las Vegas this November this ahead week, of the start. This weekend, I think. Yeah, it's coming up. Uh, deliveries start in early 2022. This is... Excuse me. This is cool, but it's... It seems like yesterday's news. If I read this story in, like, 1998, I'd yeah. be like, oh, sweet. When they were still making cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like this this story... Is even better now. It's more delicious right now. That this. I mean, did you see the pictures of it? I did. It's gorgeous. Did. It yeah. is pretty. It's I, nice looking. When I was at SEMA in a, a couple of years ago, and I, it was either the Ford or the Chevy. I, I think it was Chevy because by the Corvettes they had all their crate motors, mm-hmm. and they were all painted up and beautiful like this, and they were all in stands, and it was pretty cool. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that that they sell those just fully constructed like that. But the thing of it is, like back in the even in the eighties and nineties, you could go to Pace Performance and order a GM crate motor and put it in one of your street cars and have a hot hot rod that you could still drive to work and still worked with your factory fuel system and stuff like that. What are you doing with this motor? Can you take this motor and put it in a Silverado or uh, even a a Camaro, a base Camaro? You can't just drop it in the weekend mechanic or the the you know the dealership you couldn't just buy a cheap That's V6 not the point Camaro of this motor, though I mean I I get what you're saying but but what's this, the point this, of having the, a performance division if all you're selling to are boomers who are going to take this and put it in a seventy Chevelle you know like that audience be some douchebag who's going to put it in their like thirty five hundred Silverado or something like that right I don't think this motor I don't think so you can't you don't think so okay. I don't I don't think so I think this is this is another one of those hey wouldn't it be cool if we could just make a thousand horsepower guess what whistling There's, diesel might grab. Ten of these. You might go put them in a square body and then <laughs> jump it off a building or something. I don't know. It's cool. I'm just – I think these days are over. Oh, so disappointing. I was so – honestly – Was this what, red meat? It was red meat because I thought to myself, I'm like, we never get stories we, – we talk about EVs. We talk about autonomous yeah, vehicles yeah. all the time. Yeah. Why not have a story about a big, giant engine that's gas-fed and it's totally counterintuitive to all the news of the, of the day? It's great. It's great. And then and you're just tearing it down. I'm not tearing it. I'm just saying, like, if there is a performance parts division, I'd like to see an LS motor that you can – that makes – make this an LS motor that's that's bolt in. Um, or like Ford used to have their, you know, their motorsports division. You could buy a 514 crate motor and put it in a Mustang and it would work. You know, like yeah. – I, I don't know. Maybe I'm way out of line. Somebody out there can can yeah, they'll straighten us. you out. Info at throwonwrenches dot com. Tell yeah. me what a clown I yeah. am, or write a review. I'll read it on the air. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So we go from the Bowtie Boys to the Blue Oval Boys. What yeah. do we got going on at Ford? Eric? Well, apparently this is according to Reuters. Ford fleet customers send mixed signals on electric vehicles. Hmm. Ford Company sees a robust market for electric trucks and vans by 2030, but it's facing some early pushback from commercial customers that are a key audience for the automaker's F-150 Lightning and the E-Transit, a top executive said on Thursday. I don't know what Thursday that was, but we assume it's pretty recent. The Lightning pickup and the E-Transit van are targeted for real people doing real work, said Ted Canis, the chief executive of Ford Pro at the Reuters event automotive summit but some of those potential fleet buyers are taking a wait and see attitude partly from the lack of experience with electric vehicles and partly because of the lack of clarity on government policy and regulations around evs 
In the U.S., we see 70% of the full-size bus and van industry going to electric by 2030. That's more than 300,000 vehicles annually, Candace said. And we expect a third of those full-size pickup market to go electric by 2030, which is 800,000 vehicles annually. With the electric trucks and vans, Candace said the fleet customers can save money on fuel, maintenance, and repairs. But there's still the fear of the unknown. There's some echo on there. Yeah, you like that? (laughs) About the EVs among the employees and the managers. Well, imagine that. They're uncertain, and so they're scared to make giant purchases on vehicles that cost more than gas vehicles. Shocker. Yeah. I didn't realize that about 800,000 vehicles is what we're looking at as far as uh, full-size pickups here in the U.S. That seems low to me. I don't know. It does seem low because uh, I I always thought that, like, the tops – I thought the – I thought they sold like 800,000 Ford F-150s every year or something like that. I think they used to at one point. Maybe yeah. they'd – I don't know. Maybe that's kind of dropped a little bit. But So they're, Ford's thinking a third of the full-size truck market here in the States is going to go electric by 2030. Um, I mean they offer the uh, electric light – that's what they call it. The Lightning now is yeah. now the electric one. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to see what the sales are in that because that just rolled out I think last model year. And then the only other electric truck offering that I know of that's still on, you know, TBD is the Rivian. And, of course, there's the Cybertruck. Yeah. But, and the Hummer. The Hummer, I think, is coming out next year. Yeah. So that would be full EV. Atlas. <laughs> Canoe. Canoe. So we have, okay. Lordstown. Let's, let's say there's five or six models Sony. out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Panasonic. Panasonic. Uh some, what were some crappy ones? Remember, like <laughs> yeah. the VCR Signature Two Thousand. Yeah. You remember oh, those? God. Yeah. GPX Magnavox. I got the Magnavox Symphonic. Yeah. What's the warranty on the Magnavox? It doesn't have a warranty, but it was only twenty five thousand dollars. Right. The right. warranty is the same amount as buying a new one. The Polaroid. I got the Polaroid <laughs> electric car. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be enough offering there to to have a third of the fleet. Now, t- to speak to the maintenance cost, we've talked before about how the electric vehicles. Yeah. Sure. It, there's less wear and tear, so to speak. Less Here, here's parts. my thing, though. The guy's pulling up to your front yard yeah, with the beater truck, and they're mowing your grass. Yeah. Okay. Those guys are driving trucks that are 25 and 30 years old, mm-hmm. and they know they can drive them every day, You know, change the oil infrequently. And generally speaking, they're going to start in the morning, and they're going to get the job done. They're not luxurious. Yeah, you know they're not. They're not worried about the, all the autonomous features we talked about earlier. You know, I don't care about lane departure and all that stuff. They need a work truck. Mm-hmm. So, are we making vehicles that do that? These e-transit vans, these Lightnings, these are. I think they're luxury vehicles compared to work trucks. I do too. I think, and and there's a difference between a truck that is like a delivery truck. Yeah. Versus one that's towing a trailer for landscaping service or a yeah. concrete hauler yeah. or something like that. I just watched a TikTok the other night, and it was a woman. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, do. I know. Let's gonna, we're going to move past that anyways. <laughs> yeah. I'm on TikTok. I don't know if I will or not. Thanks, Steve I Brown. Like, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but there was a woman who was, who was using her Tesla, what's the Model X SUV? Sure. To tow a little like Formula V race car. It's part v of the sexy car. formula, whatever the sexy right. riders are, yeah. Right. So she was towing like a Formula V to a, a race event somewhere out in California. And she's like, yeah, towing with a Tesla is great. I have to stop every hour and hypercharge this thing or whatever, supercharge it, because <laughs> Ooh, boy. The, it's, it just drains the battery that much more. I, I, I think a third is optimistic in, the, in, what is it, less than 10 years? So it would be nine or eight or eight model years. Yeah. I think a third of the truck market, EV, I think that's very optimistic. 
that's just me. No, I agree. I, 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 my, my thing is uh, maybe on the release of the new stuff by 2030, it's possible, but you're going to have so much gum, government subsidies, mm. and you're going to have to have infrastructure. You have to have infrastructure like crazy. You know, I talked to my wife about this the other day because uh, Toyota made some mention of an MR2 that was going to be a plug-in with Porsche. It was stupid, but I said if you go to your work at the prison where she works down in Lincoln. Can you plug in? She goes, no. Well, I'm like, well, if you can't plug in where you work, then we'll never own a car like that. So, no, what's the point? Yeah, so the infrastructure is literally going to have to set up all over the place. Now, to be said, you know, to be fair, 10 years from now, there may be the range. Range is the biggest biggest factor, Absolutely. I think, for a lot of people. So if she can go back and forth every day for two or three days without charging, we're fine. She drives 100 miles each way, or I'm sorry, total every day. So if she can go two or 300 miles without charging, we're good. Sure, sure. But again, the fear of the unknown. If you have something that's got a predetermined route every day, leaves here, does a route of X miles, comes back, plugs in at night, sure. That's yeah. an EV is a great application in, in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah. But I just, hey, tomorrow you need to go to Connecticut, hop in a car with Steve Brown, and drive to Los Angeles. <laughs> hey, let's take the Tesla. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Sorry. Now, I, have, I have a friend of mine who went to Atlanta for work uh, with a friend, and they drove his Leaf, his Nissan Leaf. <laughs> oh, God, how'd that go? The range on the Leaf is not that good. It's not that great. 120? Uh, it was like, yeah, almost 200 or something. But he said they wound up stopping, and he's like, I know every taco joint between here and Atlanta, like the back of my hand, because we stayed there uh. for like hours, you know. Uh, they would park at a supermarket and then walk to like a Chipotle or something. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool, but... Let's just say fear of the unknown. The the unknown is how where am I going to make it home? Where am I going to stop? Dude, this is that is totally on par with the guy. There's like a story of the guys who drove all the way across the country to like Yosemite uh-huh. with their classic cars from the from New England, just like breaking trails, you know, driving dirt roads. But they had no idea the car could break down. They carried spare parts. You know, yeah. what, what were they going to do for gas and oil? They had no idea. He was venturing into the unknown, like Columbus. It's great. Well, not like Columbus, because everybody hates Columbus. Right. Like uh, Leif Erikson. Like Leif Erikson. Everybody hates him, too. He's a Viking. He's a jerk. <laughs> now, I, I agree, though. It's it's one of those things where if you have all the time in the world, great. But yeah. right now, I can get a 92 F-150 with a 300 inline six and a five-speed with 300,000 miles on it. And I can go tow a, uh, a landscaping trailer and beat that thing for another 10 years. I could possibly talk Steve Brown into riding in that thing from Connecticut to Los Angeles <laughs> and trying to break a record. And it, would, and it would probably do it because it's an inline six Ford, right? That's right. Yeah, it could. It could. <laughs> Have I we like solved this. the world's problem on this? I don't think so. Uh, probably not. Yeah. All right. So should we expand our horizons and look at the international yeah. floodwaters? Yeah. How about the short takes segment of the show, Daryl? Are you familiar Did with you this? Did you say shortcake? Yeah. <laughs> I can go for some Patty right cake. Now. Patty oh, cake. Yeah. Yeah, we're playing patty yeah. cake. All right. This is called Short Takes. Daryl picked out. He ripped headlines from the news today. Yes. And, and slapped this down. We're just going to do some short takes. Much like Law & Order, ripped from the headlines. <laughs> um, so so this one jumped out at me. And again, we, we tend to wade into the EV stories here and there. but Because yeah, that's all the news on the on automotive, news, right? Unfortunately. But right now, Hertz, this came out this week. Hertz is buying 100,000 Tesla Model 3s to keep in stock at several major U.S. airports and several major European cities starting in November. EVs will then make up about 20% of Hertz's rental fleet, and it is known as the largest purchase of EVs by a single buyer in history. What do we, I mean, what do we read into that? I think that's kind of cool, but I, the confusion, I can just imagine the confusion. Some, I fly into Vegas, uh-huh. and then I'm like, hey, let's go out to Lake Mead. Okay, let's do that. Then we got to Lake Mead, like, uh, 
Uh, what do we do for fuel? Now, Tesla, to be fair, has all kinds of like apps, I think, to tell you where the sure. charging stations yeah, yeah. are at. But, but if you're a stooge and you don't know how to do the apps or anything like this, you might find yourself stranded somewhere out in the desert. Try to plug it into Hoover Dam. Yeah. Is there a plug? <laughs> Can I get home? Hello? Uh, water's low. I don't know if they're charging today. You know, the good news, though, with this is you'll never have to fill the dang thing up before yeah, you return it. That's the scam. That's the scam. You what? bring it back, not fully kilowatt charged, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, where was it when you left? Yeah. Uh, the 40%? No, it wasn't, sir. It was fully charged. We're going exactly. to charge you uh, an extra $6 a kilowatt hour to yeah, charge it. Exactly. That's, what the, oh. that, that's where this is going. Okay. It's ridiculous. Now, I will say this. There's many times I fly in into a town, I have a business meeting or something like that, and mm-hmm. I drive my rental car literally straight to wherever the hotel's at. And just park it. Park it, and then just drive it right back. Yeah. That happens. Yep. I usually take an Uber, but sometimes it just makes more sense to get a rental car. So yeah, I get you. I, get I you. could see where if you have a, a Tesla that gets two or 300 miles on a charge, I'll just drive that car and just drive it back. I don't care. So Not bad. I we'll see. Maybe less maintenance. Maybe. And, and I think it is going to be one of those things where people might rent one accidentally or just like whatever they have. And they enjoy their experience. Well, well how so many much. people would rent it before they buy it? It'd be like, oh, I can rent a Tesla. I mean, I, I would. That would be the opportunity. I rode in that X when I was in Tampa, you know, and it was my airport shuttle on Uber. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of cool. I could see renting one for a day or two, just to take an extended test. I'm not going to pay ninety thousand dollars plus the uh, the unlimited gigawatt charges and all that stuff and the roadside assistance. Yeah, I'm not to mention the carbon fiber tires. Really? There's some bizarro tires that Tesla's, I don't know. Like low rolling resistance crap or something. I I, somebody's going to call me out on that, I'm sure. Nah. nah Write it fine. in a review. I'll read it on there. It's all right. So what's going on? Uh, what are some other short takes here? The Geneva Auto Show is canceled, Daryl. It's the third straight year. Dog. Damn you, COVID. Uh, no 2022 show. Thanks to COVID-19, the chip shortage, and the lack of enthusiasm. I'm enthusiastic. Why can't I come? The annual event used to draw 600,000 visitors, Daryl. It's a lot of people. Yeah, used to be. Uh, Six hundred thousand people. I mean, think of all the masks they could sell. They just wear masks and walk around that thing. Think about all the lousy slices of Sabaro pizza at the Expo Center. Oh yes. Think, think about all the young ladies who used to hold their hands flat and and move them to the, horizontally <laughs> to show you things. They're not working. They're un, unemployed. What about the detail crew? Oh, that's yeah. what always impressed oh, yeah. me at those yeah, shows. That's true. Yeah, anyways. All right, so that's a crisis. But you want to know another crisis? <laughs> tell me. It's the next big production crisis, uh-oh, Eric. It's uh-oh. a. It's it's not. Uh, it's not oil. It's not. Whatever is it? What was it? Chips. It's not semiconductors. Chips, yeah, yeah. It's magnesium. That's right. There's a magnesium shortage, boys and girls. I have a magnesium ladder my grandpa gave me. Do you? I think it's worth money. It's probably worth a million dollars. Fire hazard too. <laughs> it just burns, smoldering, white hot <laughs> heat. Uh, well, thanks to a Chinese monopoly. 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 Chinese monopoly. Sound like Tom Brokaw. Job go Just hold your top lip. I should. Thanks to a Chinese monopoly on magnesium. Ten times fast. The shortage is credited to a recent mandate to cut energy consumption by slashing production by fifty percent. So, uh, I guess that's a way to keep the uh, the carbon footprint a little bit less in China. But what it's doing is driving up um, uh, the cost of magnesium. Germany is even calling for diplomatic talks with China after a seventy five percent price increase in magnesium that's being imported into Europe right now. So, Yeesh. think about that. Magnesium, what is that used for? Well, in a lot of cases, it's used for lightweight materials to yep. make alloys. They mix it with aluminum or during the uh, um, uh, like engine casting process, magnesium wheels, all those things that make cars lighter and fuel efficient. 
is actually going to be a lot more expensive if they can even still build it for a while. Yay, capitalism! Yay, <laughs> Yay China. So. Yeah, that sucks. I, actually, though, I do have my a grandpa's ladder that's a magnesium ladder. That's really cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah. What's it from? Like the, 50s, from the 60s? Yeah, 50s, 60s. But, so he was a painter. And back in the day, if you wanted to like, paint a two-story house and you want an extension ladder, well, if it was a steel ladder, the thing weighed three tons. So they made ladders out of magnesium, and they were hyper light. I mean, the thing is super light. Now, when you're on that thing and you're up 40 <laughs> feet in the air and it's just touching the gutter and touching the ground bl- below, yeah, it waggles like a dog's tail, man. It scares It's a little a scary. Cr- oh, God, yes. Yeah, you're, yeah but, but you know it's not going to break. Yeah. Or if it breaks, I think it might be a, it might be like carbon fiber. It might just like and this you're dead. It's poof. Yeah, I think they used to make uh, Volkswagen uh, engine blocks and transmissions out of it. Really? Yeah. Uh, somebody told me that they used to when they something crack or something got broke, they didn't need it anymore. Uh, they would burn it and watch it burn white hot. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was like a fun little party joke, <laughs> which is frightening to me. Cause well, because you can literally scrape off a piece of magnesium and you can burn it. It's like one of the only metals you can light on fire. <laughs> it's perfect for camping. Yeah, right? It's like fire well, starter stuff. Yeah, exactly. Scary. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah. is it about that time? It is any, about that time. Do any local news? So we're just going to go right ahead to what have, I think this is. Have you is. heard of this guy? Do you know this guy? His name is Elon. It's the moment of Musk. All right. This is according to Business Insider, a news source that we have repeatedly said we don't know their intentions. But anyway, one day, Elon Musk made $37 billion. And in that same day, he slammed the Democrats' plan to tax billionaires. Here's what he meant when he said the government will come for you. Elon Musk, this week, critiqued the Democrats' latest plans to tax billionaires to pay for their social spending programs, saying on Twitter... Shocker. He uses Twitter quite a bit. Mm. Eventually, they run out of other people's money and then come for you. That's a quote from Elon. Musk's Monday windfall could still be worth more than most Americans make in their lives. 23.8% tax would turn around uh, his $37 billion profit to $28 billion profit. I'm so sorry, Elon. And that is your moment of Musk. It's so funny. This dude, and I'm, yeah. you know, we tease him a lot. He has made more money off the federal government and federal subsidies for mm-hmm. electric cars and electric mm-hmm. charging stations than anybody probably in the history of this country. And yet he's going to complain when they come a little bit after him. And yeah. I'm not, and I'm a libertarian. I'm I, supposed to be anti-tax, right, okay? Right. You know, but, but give me a break. This dude has collected off our backs for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I always have any kind of one eyebrow raised whenever somebody who's worth hundreds of billions or millions of dollars complains about taxation. He's going to be a trillionaire. Yeah. And he's going to blow it all on Mars. And it's okay. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I think – here. I, I had this thought the other day. This yeah. is what I do when I'm in the shower. I think about these things. You have profound thoughts. Yeah, I have profound thoughts. The federal government <laughs> – there could be like an Oswald situation where they take him out before he goes to Mars because they may see all this revenue he's spending and be like – we can't let this guy take all this money out of the economy and blow it on another planet. It'd be like a Bitcoin crash. It'd be like a currency crash. He literally is lighting money on fire and just, just throwing it to the wind just to get to Mars. So you'll think there'll be some sort of Zapruder film in the future? Yeah, with... yeah where he just like mysteriously gets – you know, he drinks some tea one day, and the next thing you know, he's, he's crapping out plutonium. I don't right, know. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? What – 
What would he be doing on Mars, though? He's going to die. Long term. He's going to die on Mars. I mean, <laughs> that's what he said. He's told everybody, dying on Mars. But it's, it's is just he like build a Buck, resort there. It's like when Buckwheat killed the. Uh, who killed Buckwheat? Remember that? Alfalfa. Alfalfa. Yeah. Was that Saturday Night Live? It was Saturday Night Live. And, yeah, they, yeah. and they said, can you believe that Buck, this kid shot Buckwheat? Oh, yeah. He talked about it all the time. He talked about it all the time. It's the same thing with yeah. Elon. He's talked about dying on Mars his whole life. He may get there, find out that he can live to be 100, and be like, no, I can't wait that long. Just pull out a gun, shoot himself, I died on Mars. <laughs> you don't know. He's crazy. <laughs> Maybe. Is there, there's no Starbucks on Mars, though. There's no entertainment. There's no nothing. I don't know. That dude needs entertainment. There, there has to be Wi-Fi and Twitter. What else? Oh, is he Twitter! Do? You definitely have to have Twitter. The delay, the the, <laughs> the the delay of the Twitter could be it could be very hard for him up there. Yeah, it could be. It could be. So my so my wife was down visiting family this week, and she said, "Oh, mom and dad, uh, mom and um, oh, mom and dad, sorry, dad and Liz got Starlink this week." Oh, and I'm like, really? They live in a very small kind of coal mining town, in southern Illinois. I'm like, Starlink? They got Starlink? And like an hour later, she texts back. She's like, "No, it's called like Space Brick or something. It's it's like a Starlink ripoff. It's like the Dollar General Starlink. Dude, that would be a genius play. Why did oh, I come man. up with this? Why did I come up with a line of sight internet and right call it, and call it uh, Star Star Joiner Star or Blink Star <laughs> exactly." Make the logo look just yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm like, I hope he didn't buy it from like some door-to-door guy. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like uh, $300 a month, and it's great. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. All right, we have no grinding of the gears this week, which is hard to believe because Daryl and I both said we've had probably one of the worst weeks. Even my wife piled in on that. Sarah Price had a bad week, too. There's something in the lunar cycle yeah. right now making people crazy. I, I don't have a full grinding of the gears. I will just say this. I got honked at in the drive-thru for taking too long for the mm. first time in my life. I'm age 42, and my mother and I were at Jimmy John's getting sandwiches. And somebody honked at you? Somebody honked because they felt they were waiting too long for us to get the order. We had six sandwiches, by the way. And it was taking a long time, but I will say it was probably like two people in the place. And They're freaky often. fast. That's what they say. But it used to be. It was a real quick like meep, you know? And I look back and I did the thing where I'm like looking in the mirror and See I'm if trying it was an to... accident, like they were shuffling around for their purse or something? Yeah. And, and, and of course, I'm doing the look and my mom's with me. So she's like, oh, what's their problem? And when I was a kid, I would have put the car in reverse, just left the reverse lights on. Just, to... <laughs> just sat there. <laughs> Am I going to do it? I don't know, Pong, am I? But how Ask rude. yourself the question. How rude. I, I've been in a hurry. I've been stuck in drive through hell before. Yeah. Everybody has. But guess what? This is how the new, the new normal is. There's one guy making your sandwiches, ringing everyone up, taking phone and internet orders. Give them a break. And by yeah. the way, the people in front of you, they got nothing to do with this. <laughs> exactly. They just put the order in, bro. Yeah. So if you're at Potbelly or Taco Bell, whatever, people are taking too long. Give them a break. And if you're in that much of a hurry... Pack a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Pack your own lunch. So that's that's, that's all the grinding right. of the gears. That's, that's Don't honk good. at that's people in the drive through. That right. sucks. All right, Daryl. Hey, some people know this, Daryl. You mm. and I know this very clearly. Our wives know about this habit we have, Daryl. Sometimes we dream of cars. We dream dreams of cars that we would never own ourselves. But we think we they would look good in our garage. But we have a reason why we don't own them to this point. Because realistically, Daryl, at this point, we buy everything we want, right? Uh, sadly, yes. Yes, but every once in a while, something weird pops up. It could be something made of fiberglass, could have sparkle paint. Who knows? It could be something that's outrageously expensive and we can't afford it. So what we do, Daryl, 
I don't have to explain this to you, Daryl, because you know what we do. We show it to our wives. We show them listings. We show them for Bring a Trailer. We show them for Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Honey, look, there's actually a little Triumph right now. It's for sale. It's only $3,500. To which my wife goes, have you sold the Scion yet? And I just turn the computer back to myself and I say, no, I haven't. And so that is Cars of the Week. <laughs> this segment of the show where Daryl and I have found cars. We've, we've perused the internet. we found the finest choice automobiles that are used and for sale. And we bring them to you is our quality picks. This is Cars of the Week. Yes. The subjects, uh, you never know what you'll find. And this week, I will say, Eric and I have some pretty pretty delectable choices here. I would have not thought that he would have picked what he picked. I definitely wouldn't have thought. I definitely I'd. wouldn't have. But what we would say about big guys and small cars, you definitely. I gravitate to them. I gravitate to them like a tractor beam. So I'll go ahead and kick it off to, uh, to round out the show here. I was scrolling through. I forget what the heck I was looking at. I don't I was, know. I don't know how you end up on this. I was probably looking at stuff from the 70s. Sometimes I'll go through. You ever narrow down the filters and you're like looking for a certain age? I, I, have, I have done. I know what you're talking about, Daryl. I've been there. So I was doing, I think I was searching for 70s cars from like 1970 to 79 just to see what's out there. And for some reason, this thing hits. It's not even local. I don't know why. I had everything set to like 99-mile radius of Peoria. Yeah. This is way past 90. Whatever. Anyways. Do you ever think there's like a Zuckerberg like bot that's like, ooh, let's show him this car. He yeah. might like this one. He might like this. Take it. And, and, I, and So this popped up as my, my choice here for the car of the week. It's a 1972 Honda N600. What is that? Is that a motorcycle? No, family and friends. It's actually one of the first Honda cars. Ooh. Uh, so it's a little tiny microcar. If you looked at this thing, if you remember the old CVCCs, the old Civics and stuff that they had in the 70s, this is the predecessor to that. It's even smaller. It looks a lot more like a Japanese version of the uh, the Mini. I was going to just say it's a Mini Cooper in Japan. Very much so. And you can tell because the design is, I mean, eerily similar. Proportions are very similar. Not that the Japanese stole their designs from anybody. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. However, uh, this is actually a, a kind of a pretty Band-Aid bra- – I call it Band-Aid beige. It's that early 70s buckskin color that was on every car. And it looks really cute on here. Uh, it's a prime example of a rust-free version of the uh, early Honda microcar. And it really – in 72, this thing would have been out there for somebody who was a – um, an adventuresome buyer. A lot of people on the West Coast bought Hondas. You really didn't see too many here in the Midwest. Somebody who bought this was looking for something tiny, efficient, easy to park, good on gas, and was reliable, which was pretty much not any U.S. consumer in 1972. They were still buying Monte Carlos and Grand Prix oh, and yeah. Chevelle. This, this car, I mean, I mean, again, going back to the Mini, there is a precedent set. There are small cars out and about. But there definitely aren't Japanese cars like this running around. No. In the early 70s, anyone driving a small car, chances are they were, buy- they were driving a VW Beetle or they were driving maybe a little British sports car. Yeah. They weren't driving these things. But this thing, I'll tell you what, after the OPEC crisis happened in 73, 74, this thing was worth its weight in gold because you could drive, fill this thing up for you know eight gallons and drive around for two weeks <laughs> and not have to fill it up again. There's no way this thing... Uh, it, it, it's it's a really neat timepiece. So it's manual transmission. It's got a little uh, 598cc two-cylinder air-cooled. This could have been in our air-cooled uh, oh, race man. daily restore. Shame on me. Uh, basically a motorcycle engine. Put out 46 horsepower, and it had a four-speed four manual. I think you could get an automatic, but eh, who would? Um, I really think it's cool. It's actually 400 pounds lighter than a VW Beetle from the same time period. And it really, a car like this set the tone for economy cars for decades to come. I really think it was ahead of its time. 
and I would love to have this thing as an example. Now, the pictures on this, it's rust-free. Interior is pretty clean. Motor looks good. Uh, it actually looks really cool. It's got little fender flares. It kind of looks aggressive. Yeah, I like the fender flares. They're they're color keyed with the paint. Yeah, it looks like something that would be at home at a, at a Cars and Coffee. It says in the ad though, uh, overall decent shape. All misspelled. Decent shape other than the left <laughs> descent fender. <laughs> so I looked, and of course he's got like six pictures. I look at the the driver's side fender, and it's it's in primer, and it, somebody drove that thing into a building or a barn oh. or something. It's bad, and. So immediately your head is like, oh, I'll just find a new Fender. Where the heck are you going to find a brand new Fender or a good used Fender for a 72 Honda N600? You probably aren't. No. So Carsfromjapan.com. <laughs> you probably have to. Um, so anyway, <laughs> buy a whole other one just for parts. Just ship a whole parts car over <laughs> that's in better shape. So I think this thing would be cool. I probably couldn't fit in it, although the roof line looks pretty decent. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I, th- I think the brilliant thing here is, Daryl, and I think you should go with this. Yeah. You can fit eight cars in the auto museum <laughs> if you were to start stocking cars this size. Micro cars. Yes. You could just turn them all sideways and back them all in the, the final garage door yeah. and just have like two corridors of cars in there. It'd be like even you know, the Austin Powers movie where he's got the little cart and he gets yeah. stuck in the hallway. Yes, yeah, yeah. That'd be like a crash. Yeah. But oh, I, hey, I, can I see your Honda? Yeah, give me two hours. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. I'll bring it out. You know, the other thing, too, is if uh, if you're a big fan of anything 70s Japanese, people are all uh, into the, the Datsun Z cars or, you know, the early Supras or late 70s pickups, you know. I think those are great. If you brought one of these and rolled into a Cars and Coffee, people would lose it because they've never seen one here. That's true. So, I yeah. don't know. That would be my pick. They're is only it? asking thirty nine hundred fifty dollars. It's, it's a deal. It is a deal. It I would actually, be in my that garage. That is a heck of a deal. It drives. Yeah, runs, drives. It just needs a fender. Pretty bad. That fender's gross. I can't believe Sarah's denied you this one. <sighs> she, she needs me to get my other stuff <laughs> running first. <laughs> All right, we're not gonna. It's it's not about. It's not. It's gonna turn who, into a therapy session. Who got beat by their wife this week? That's yeah, not, that's fine, not the fine. show. That's not the segment. It's cars of the week. So that's that's my pick. Um, you got a dusty one here, my friend. What yeah, do you got? I do. I got a. I got a little faded out red. Daryl, I'm gonna tell you something. Yeah. Amazon Prime serves up movies all the time to me, and like, hey, you like this, you might like this. Huh. And so the other night, I find myself working on whatever on my computer, and Amazon Prime kicked up Love Story. I don't know if you remember Love Story. It's a movie from early seventies, nineteen seventy-one, the year I was born, Daryl. Okay, so Good I year. imagine my mother watched that with her two sisters, and they probably <laughs> love the movie. And just like everybody else, if you don't know, Ryan O'Neill is uh, running around with Ali McGraw. She calls him Preppy, and it's a, it's like a Harvard, you know, love story. And uh, Alan McGraw, she's there all natural with her fully natural eyebrows. It's uh, It was disconcerting for me. I don't know why I focused on that so much. Anyway, throughout the whole movie, there's a song called... There's a theme. It's like a piano thing. Theme from Love Theme from Story. Love Song, yeah. yeah. It plays through the whole thing. I think at one point there's like an industrial uh, like techno song or something. But this ballad plays through the whole stupid thing and it just crazy hey let me tell you something right now i'm gonna go right to the end ellie mcgraw dies and every woman from this <laughs> there was no wait a minute there was no spoiler alert no it's like i'm gonna write to the end it's she dies for god's sakes man if you have it's 1971 if you haven't seen it she's dead and every woman who saw that Cancel. movie it's not in my queue take it out I don't want to see it anymore every woman who saw that movie Damn in 1971 it. believed that ryan o'neill 
was probably still faithful to Allie McGraw after she died. I, and and so to that fact, I'm going to tell you this, and and this has nothing to do with Cards of the Week, Daryl. I'm just going to tell you right now. No, I, that's I enjoy why this. every kid gets stuck playing the theme from Love Song at their piano recital because their mom or the grandma loved the stupid movie so much, <laughs> and they said, "Oh, let's play the theme from Love Song." Your grandma loves that song, all because they think Ryan O'Neill still sitting on a stump somewhere thinking about Ally McGraw because she died of cancer. Anyway. That's, the, the movie. It's terrifying. <laughs> How does this relate to the car in front of us today? <laughs> because throughout that whole movie, I'm going to tell you this. They had an MG TC model from the oh, 1950s. Oh, okay, okay. And okay. here's the deal. So it's a hipster Harvard thing. And, and like I said, they called him Preppy. And Ryan O'Neill drives this green MG throughout the whole thing. And the coolest thing about the MG is even though it's a, a classic sloopy British style car. It's not like a snub nose sports car. This is the uh, the old square hood car with the the, the long bug eyed headlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This car is an old roadster, and even when it's snowing in New York City, they got the top down. They're wearing winter coats and hats, and he's driving <laughs> this thing with the top down. And I'm telling you what, no matter how much I heard, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. The theme song. Yeah, the theme song. I don't care because they were honoring the tradition of that car, and I love that car. And I was like, oh my god! And again, I don't, whatever I was doing while I was watching a movie, don't question me. This, <laughs> so You're I, buying all of uh, Ally McGraw's other movies. Yeah, no, no, not no. well unless you pluck those eyebrows. Not likely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did a Facebook Marketplace search, and I found a listing called Car. That's literally what the ad... That's what it said? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking some grandpa somewhere is selling this car, but it's a 1952 MG TC. It's a convertible. It's original. There are a lot of resto mod type cars in this body style. There's a lot of uh, kit cars that come with Volkswagen engines and stuff like that. This is actually an original 1952 TC and it's got this the faded red paint. The body panels are all just like a little askew. It's really cool. And uh, it runs fine. It's in Michigan. And they want $15,000 for it, Daryl. Ooh. Is it good? I don't know. It, 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 what I found, the kit cars tend to go for the eight dollars to $10,000 range if they're in decent shape. But they look so tacky. The kit cars have like all these chrome fittings all over them with yeah. cheesy leather straps. Um, the, the original MGs, it seems to me, they're usually rusty. I think the price is probably okay. I think he's about five grand too heavy if you want to add him pretty hard because, like I said, the paint condition. It's a, it's a nice driver. It's a it's a cool car. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think I'd be game. I almost showed it to my wife, but then I knew what she'd say. Have you sold the Scion yet? <laughs> so I didn't even show her. I said, you know what? Eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid the question. So I will not present this one to the wife this week. It's fine. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Unlike uh, what? What are the characters? Uh, in the unlike movie? Allie McGraw's character, Chet yeah. and Muffy. No. Yeah, it was Chet. Chet and Muffy. Chet is what and I, Muffy. That's kind of what I said. I don't know what their names were. Muffy yeah, and Muffy. Muffy. Muffy and Chet. Yeah. 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 It just wasn't. It wasn't destiny. No, but it wasn't. You might find that someday. You know, the, I think one of these would be fun um, because it does have that that classic British roadster look. That's. I think uh, back to school. One of the professors drives one of these. You're right. The douchebag. Philip. Yes. Philip is yes. his name. Yeah. He's got the pipe. And What's the, the name of the gal? Uh, uh, shoot. Sally Kellerman. Sally Kellerman, who I was in love with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then she turned into Mark Maron's mom in Marin, and she wasn't nearly <laughs> as sexy at 80. I don't well, know. She, I was going to say she's like 85 now. <laughs> no, but like that's all the t- Like it doesn't matter what era. These cars were cool when they were new. They were cool in the 70s, yep. and they're still cool 20 years from now. Um, I like the fact that you find drivers like this. 
because then you're not afraid to do what they should do is drive. drive. Yeah. Get out. Would you and Mrs. Stahl take a nice fall tour? Yes, absolutely. I would, dri- I would drive that car out in the wild all day long. What yeah. about the snow? Would you- no, I don't think it – I mean – there's something noble about taking a convertible in the winter because this car with the top up or the top down is uncomfortable no matter what. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But my Celica, <laughs> I mean, if the top's up and the wind, the heat is working, there's a reason, you know. It's tolerable. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I just don't think I would drive that car in the winter unless it was literally – like say there was a, a snowball parade or something like that, some winter event. Yeah. It'd be totally cool to drive that in a parade, you know. And just You're not wait. doing the cheese freeze rally with this and some studded no, snow tires no. in the back. It's, a, it's kind of it's kind of a cool car. I mean, yeah, I've always wanted this. Is, this always screamed of like when you were a kid, what would be the car you'd have? If you were successful, and you you know, this is the type of car you'd have in your garage, right? If you knew you were, yeah, Thurston Hell, right? I want a cool old roadster. Yeah, there it is. There it is. So that's my selection. I'm sorry if you love. You know, if if you know some woman in her seventies, and you mention the theme from Love Song or Love Story, they know it. Okay, they so stump, they and, they, and they all think Ryan O'Neill's waiting on that that stump. Okay, but he's not. Is he still around? She's dead. Wasn't he married to? Uh, uh, um, I think he is. Uh, I think he's what's still her alive. name? What's her name? Farrah Fawcett. I think he's still alive, isn't he? Is he? I think Farrah's so. dead. Yeah, Farrah passed away. Yeah. Uh, he's a great actor. Kind of fizzled now, out. Now that would have been a story if, if Farrah Fawcett would have been in that spot. <laughs> Inst- no. Instead of uh, instead of Ally McGraw, Ally McGraw. Oh my God! Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. This is this is this but could go if, on for what hours. If? I think I think Marvel's got a show on uh, on Disney right now, a What If series. Yeah. I think that would be a What If that I'd watch. You know, what if, <laughs> if Fair Fawcett played Ally McGraw in Love Story? But she still died. But I mean, it'd be okay. Yeah. Thanks for ruining it for America, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate that. Hey, and on that note. Thanks for listening to Throne Riches Podcast. It's been another fun episode. Yeah, we love hearing from you. So hit us up. Let us know uh, if we got some ideas for cars of the week or cars that we should uh, race daily kill or restore. Uh, send it to us, info at com. Be sure to like and follow our stuff on Facebook. We need to be better about that. I was going to post more last week. but Yeah, whatever, uh, Daryl. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got carried away at work. <laughs> Any hoozle. He gets. He feels so guilty. I love this, like, rubbing it on. Daryl's like, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I do feel kind of bad. I should probably make sure I express that on the microphone. I should. I should. But it's all doesn't. an act. Anyway. Hey, I don't know if you know this, folks, or not, but if you write a review, I'll read it on the air. Have I mentioned that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, and we send you some stuff. Yeah. We'll send you a sticker, a Throne Wrench sticker. All right. Make sure you subscribe on all the uh, podcast catchers, whatever your favorite one is, whether it's Stitcher or iTunes or Spotify now, supposedly, is the number one podcast feed i don't know if that's true or not i'd love to know actually folks if you listen on spotify let us know because i don't really push the spotify thing very hard so also thanks again to our sponsors forts toyota and casey law office appreciate all your support for throwing wrenches this is eric stall i'm daryl scott see you next time <laughs>